Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible Dr. Michael and Dr. Barbara Grossman. Hello to the both of you and welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to introduce you one by one. First, we have Barbara Grossman, who is an individual marriage and family therapist with over 60,000 hours of counseling, integrating spirituality and psychology. She is an expert in teaching practical skills to couples to create a fulfilling romantic partnership. Hello, Barbara. How are you doing today? Great day. I'm glad to be here. Glad to share with your audience. And Dr. Michael Grossman is a fellow of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and specializes in anti-aging regenerative medicine using bioidentical hormone replacement and stem cells to assist men and women in reversing the effects of aging. He is the author of The Vitality Connection and The Magic of Stem Cells. Hello, Michael. How are you today? Excellent. So today we're going to be talking about aging and intimacy, as Barbara and Michael are also authors of the books, Ageless Love and The Marriage Map. And their focus for over 30 years has been on falling in love forever and cultivating forever love skills. So I'd love to start today by talking about staying young, maintaining a youthful brain and a level of enthusiasm about life, because we're told to do a lot of things like exercise the body, exercise the mind, learn a new language, take fish oil, quit smoking, quit drinking. The list, of course, goes on and it's hard to sort through it all. So what are some of the most effective strategies you found? What are some of the best ways that we can all stay young, happy, and vibrant? Well, I think the first thing we should talk about, and there are many things to talk about, is that the most important research study conducted over a period of uh, 50 plus years, actually even more than that, 70, years. 70, 80 years, Harvard study on what, what is the most important factor in extending lifespan. And what the study found, which was surprising to the researchers, is that when they measured the, both the college students from Harvard and people in the working class areas of the Boston area over a period of their whole lifetime, essentially, they found the most important factor in longevity after the age of 50 is the quality of your personal relationships. Now, that was pretty like major things because, you know, we have smoking and you have, you have blood pressure and you have, you have cholesterol and you have all these different factors, exercise and all that. But the most important factor is the quality of personal relationships. So you can't ignore that. So a lot of people think, well, uh, you know, so I have no relationships, so whatever, but I'm exercising or whatever. No, you've got to have quality personal relationships. And that's a huge thing, huge thing. So I'm an anti-aging doctor. That's what I do. So I do a lot of very, very practical things that we have to do X, Y, and Z things, but we can't ignore the big elephant sitting in the room, 
So I have to ask, what do you recommend for folks then if that is the case? If love is so important, connection is so important, do you find yourself writing a prescription to people to call their mom and and (laughs) reach out to an old friend? But we have a program for couples to teach people how to talk to each other, to help people grow through life together. You can't stay in the same stage in life and you have to keep growing as a relationship and build your partnership over time. And for sure, you need energy and vitality for that. So Michael has lots of programs that increase uh, energy and vitality that you can live an active life throughout the whole life cycle. In fact, you know, we're not young. You can see that visually, but we are we are competitive ballroom dancers in our personal life. And we uh, wow. practice five, five times a week and we, we we have muscles like crazy. And so we we live what we teach. And um, so you, you need the quality relationships, but you also need to do important things to keep your energy level high. You need to eat well. And, and Michael has some, you know, great technology for keeping people young. In our classes, we have different sort of classes. We have online classes that we uh, have uh, five different issues or problems that can come up in relationship over time. And we have some video online classes that give you homework, that take you through a series of three practical skills that you need to learn to deal with these specific issues that can come up in relationships. So that's very specific for people in romantic relationships. And in romantic relationship, we have to be aware that romantic relationship is the most intense of all of our relationships. So you can have parents and children and friends and so on. And that's kind of like the ocean. That It's just like a big, vast ocean. And, and in these kind of relationships, if you don't talk to each other for six months, you can come back in and, and, and you get right back there. You haven't seen your brother and sister in six months. You're just so happy to see them and you're sharing and talking right back where you were. Don't do that in a romantic relationship. It doesn't work. Romantic relationships are like fire. You've got to nurture the fire. You've got to constantly have have that energy, that wood that is going to burn in the air and the oxygen. You've got to, you've got to have to nurture it all the time. So what we teach in romantic relationship is how to constantly nurture the romantic relationship. If you stop nurturing it, it goes out. Yeah, I love that metaphor. And it's true. We do have friends that after seeing them two, three, five years later, you go right back to just where you left off, which can be really wonderful. But it's so interesting to hear that romantic relationships work very differently. And why is that? Well, because you know, you you I think the expectations in a romantic relationship is for connection and attention and and because relationships don't stay the same, because individuals don't stay the same, you have to stay connected and keep upgrading your relationship. And it requires learning, learning how to talk to each other. And it's one thing to talk to to talk with someone when uh, there's no expectations, there's no commitments, you're just learning about each other and it's so fun. But once you have a a defined connection, there are expectations and there are, there's a desire for ongoing connection and you have to stay tuned in with each other to know when things need to change. So you constant communication. So I want to go back to earlier, how you mentioned that the most important factor in our longevity is the quality of our personal relationships. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that mechanism or why that is the case. I think many people think love is nice to have, it makes us feel good, but not that it necessarily affects our physiological well-being. There are so many reasons why that's the case, but we can understand that every 
emotion has a physiological effect. Every time you feel anger, it changes your physiology, changes your brain waves. You release different chemistry from the brain and then you get different hormones produced. It changes your physiology. We know the high blood pressure, high cholesterol. We know that um, uh, sleep and all, uh, uh, all these things are greatly affected by stress. You know that generally the stress response, the fight or flight response is a very natural phenomenon. When an animal, a lion is running after you, your body changes its chemistry in just a moment. And you want blood to go to your muscles. You don't want any blood in your digestive tract, in your immune system. You don't need it there. Who cares if you're going to eat tomorrow when the lion eats you today? You want to get into the tree as soon as you can and jump there as fast as you can. You don't want to think abstractly about things. It affects your brain. You no longer can think about tomorrow. You only have focused on that tree that's in front of you. Can you jump into it? Physiology changes immediately. Now, okay, the lion goes away. You can relax again. But the problem in modern life is the lion doesn't go away. The upset isn't a lion. The upset is your boss, is your children, is your finances, is whatever, you know, is going on. And it stays with you. So your physiology changes and you end up getting all these diseases. And I can give you a whole list of diseases that you can get from stress. Probably 80% or so of doctor visits are related to stress building up. So you've got to reduce the stress. When you're in a high-quality relationship, it's a very critical part of keeping the stress level down. Well, that's why it's so important. It keeps your stress level down. When you're in a bad relationship, stress levels stay up, up, up. Big problem. Well, that's what was coming up for me. Because I do think intimate relationships are so crucial in how they are able to help us regulate. After a really tough day, it's really helpful to go home and find somebody there to talk about it and and feel better about it. But sometimes relationships themselves are a source of stress. That's why it's important to grow the relationships so that you learn how to talk to each other properly. And your your very your romantic relationship is really the place you're going to get the best feedback in your life. No one knows you as well as your partner knows you. And if you're able to hear the feedback and do something with it, you that is your lifelong recipe for growing. It will, it will allow you to develop yourself beyond anything you ever imagined. And um, so it's it's a crucial relationship for personal development. And no, it's not fun to hear to hear um, feedback like, you know, you're, uh, I get your message, but your approach is really mean. Can you say that nicer? I mean, that's the feedback many of us need to hear. And that helps us improve ourselves. And there's, there's lots of different things we can learn throughout life. And a partner is positioned in the best place to give us the most um, meaningful feedback. Yeah, it is really important. And what I'm hearing from you is just how important communication is. Earlier, you mentioned continuous communication. And I wouldn't mind tying that into how you mentioned that our relationships are a fire that we want to keep going. And I am curious what that fuel is for the fire. What's the oxygen and wood that we want to be sure to bring into our relationship to keep it going for the long run? So it's kind of interesting because men and women are not exactly the same in all ways. They are, have a little different brain structure. They have different hormones. So for most men, they want to feel appreciated for what they do. They want to feel respected for what they do. And that's a critical thing in their romantic relationship. For women, in general, they have a priority to feel 
appreciated for their attractiveness. That's romance. They want to feel like they're attractive to their man. And that means that the man likes being around them, uh, appreciates who they are. And, and certainly they may want to feel appreciated for what they do, but being attractive and feeling like they're attractive is critical to a romantic relationship for a woman. So each one has different needs. So in our classes, we teach specific ways for men and women to look at relating to each other and, and to supporting each other to feeling good. So we have different sharing things, but we have women making requests for what makes them happy in certain ways that are nice and comfortable for the man. And the man makes requests for, for how he wants to feel respected and appreciated for what he does. And, and to make requests of each other in ways that feel comfortable, where you're not getting angry about anything, but being playful about it. This is the way you were when you first met, when you first were dating. You went to a, a restaurant and, and the woman says, oh, it's so nice to go out here and do all that, even though, even though it's not the best restaurant in the world. It may be you know, a lower class restaurant. Next time she makes a request for a, a different restaurant, but she has to appreciate that he made the effort to do that. And then the woman likes to be appreciated for what she's wearing, how she looks, and that he loves spending time with her. And so there are different ways that we, we make it very practical for people. That's what we do in our classes. So it's very to be very practical about how to speak to each other. That is a positive background. Partners can open up and tell the truth to each other and get really good feedback and really develop a very deep psychological, spiritual connection that can grow over a lifetime. It's really very, very special relationship. And uh, so many of us get caught up in the uh, I'm right, you're wrong kind of stuff. That's a cul-de-sac that we, we can avoid with <laughs> skills. It's important to get to that depth that you can have with partners. Well, earlier you mentioned that there are three practical skills that you teach to help people deal with issues that come up in relationships. So what are some of those skills that are so important? Well, we have uh, three skills. So um, one skill is um, we teach you how to listen without interrupting, because if you're not listening without interrupting, then you're not really listening to your partner. You're trying to make a case. You're trying to make them right. I mean, you right and them wrong. And then you're not really listening. You're just trying to get your own point out there so you can win the argument. So we teach both men and women how to listen to each other. And it's, it's a very precise process that we give people where you can listen without interrupting. And then you really see the other partner's point of view and you realize, whoa, they see the world differently than I do. Isn't that weird? So that's one big, big thing that we teach couples. But we also talk about don't expect your partner to, to stay the same throughout the lifetime of your relationship. That People change. There are, there are distinct adult stages that we go through if we have a creative, uh, intentional life. And, um, and those stages produce you know, a different point of view, a different organization of the personality. And some of those stages are more, more comfortable than others. We need to understand them so that we don't get confused and think that the relationship isn't, uh, isn't working. And with, with that understanding, we can really respect and appreciate the growth and development of our partner and we have a whole presentation about how we, we develop our mind in some frame, in some parts of our life and, and other parts of our life, we're more focused on our heart. And 
they create different kinds of conversations, different priorities. And we need to understand that our partners are in different places at different times so that we can support their growth and not take personally the changes that we observe. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it is important to talk about how love and relationships do change over time, both in the relationship, but also the greater cultural context. Because I wouldn't mind asking you both about there's this idea that divorce rates are so high because we are living longer, right? When you got married at age 20 and passed away at 45, the idea of till death do us part was a lot easier. But now folks are living much longer, which tends to result in, first of all, people getting married later, right? Maybe in their late 20s, early 30s, but then being together for decades after even the kids have left the house and dealing with empty nest syndrome. So do you feel like we need to change our idea of love as a result? Or what are some ways that we can cope with much longer relationships? Well, I think the reasons for divorce are complicated. You know, most of us get married and what used to be a woman is very adaptive. She would um, accommodate to her man because she was home and domestic and raising the children. And the man would go out to work and he would grow in his profession and develop, but they would they would um, cooperate and he would do the business part and she would do, she would do the family part and life worked fine. In uh, recent generations, women work too. They're just as competency oriented and success oriented as men. And while that sounds like a great deal for everybody, and it is, we're on, we're on the same page in many ways, it produces a power and control struggle for who's right and who's better and who should we follow. And a lot of partners don't have the the skills to navigate through that that kind of, of um, pressure for who's going to navigate the relationship. If you can get through the power struggle, um, you're home free and you can have a fabulous partnership. But a lot of couples don't get through that. And they uh, argue and, and absolutely drain off all the goodwill in the relationship. And it goes away, which is sad for our culture, actually. Our children need two parents, two parents who get along. Yeah, important part there, getting along. That is so crucial. I wouldn't mind talking more about how to make that conversation, what you call the power struggle, go better. Because as you mentioned, when we had more strict gender roles, obviously it wasn't very good for equality, but everyone knew what they needed to do, right? This person needs to make as much money. This person needed to keep the house in order. Now, it almost seems like everything is negotiable, right? So how do we have that conversation without attacking or criticizing or just dropping into stereotypes about how relationships are supposed to be? I would say, first of all, you have to understand life stages, how they change. There are multiple stages that adults move through if they're interested in cultivating a great life, if they have goals. There are people who stay in a traditional model, not many of us, but there are people who still live in that uh, that domestic female role and the man working out of the house uh, role. But most of us, everybody works uh, in in most cases. And we have to understand the dynamics of that, that stage. And we have to learn how to talk to each other, how to negotiate with each other. And if we can smooth the edges out of, of those kind of conversations, eventually we will move into another stage that's beyond the power struggle stage that involves a, a much more integration of, of heart and mind. And that's where partnership really gets delicious. 
And so many couples miss out on that chapter because they're so busy making each other wrong and fighting that battle. And that's one of our messages to teach people to get through that, that, that equality, I'm right, you're wrong struggle, who's important and not, and not getting enough acknowledgement, all of that chaos is just really a cul-de-sac in our culture. And uh, there's, a, there's a stage after that that's delicious and worthwhile enduring, and it simply takes skills to get through it. So you also have a course called Forever Love Skills. And obviously, we don't have time to go through everything that you teach. But what are some of the basics that you present to folks on creating that forever love? So we have um, four two-hour classes. And at the end of each class, the couple gets homework to do that will have them practice those skills. So the first skill is how to make requests of each other. No matter how long you've been married, you need to learn how to be making requests to your partner because you are changing. Whoever you were five or 10 years ago is different. And you can't expect your partner to know, oh, this is how you like and this is what you want because whatever you want now is different than then. So you've got to have that skill of making requests. And it's not just making requests, it's appreciating when you receive what you've asked for. We teach you to consciously create positive cycles, not take your partner for granted. They give you something, even if it's a, a big smile and hello when you come home from work, that's a gift and you want to appreciate it. You each need positive energy. So that's one big arena. And it's the first skill that you have to practice. Second skill you have to practice is the skill of listening. And, and, and that's a difficult thing because when you listen to somebody, they may have some anger, then they may go into some sadness, and then they go into some things they're afraid of. And, and they have all these different moods and emotion that they go through. You have to learn to listen and not to interrupt because if you interrupt, they never get a chance to unwind to the deeper levels. If they're just in the anger level and they don't go into the hurt or the sadness or the fear, then they're not getting to the deeper layers of whatever the issue is for them. And you, as the listener, have to learn to listen to your partner, not just to give them answers of, oh, don't feel that way. Oh, it didn't really, it wasn't really like that. You got to learn to listen. So we teach them that skill. That's a big skill that the couples learn. Then the third class, we talk about understanding the 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 issues from your childhood that shape your personality the difficulties you had as a child and what those difficulties were with whom they were and out of that how can you make requests of your partner what requests do you make so that they can help you to dissolve that stress that upset that hurt that you had as a child so for instance for barbara and i Barbara lost her natural dad when she was two, essentially never saw him again for whatever, a mother divorced and all this. And Barbara has this fear of, of losing things she loves. So if I'm on an airplane without her, she wants me to call her as soon as I get off the airplane and tell her I survived. Now, to me, that was real irritating and annoying. I'm busy. I'm trying to do things. Why is she irritating me by this stuff? But then when I understood that she's not doing it to torture me because she doesn't trust me or whatever. No, she's doing it because of her own stuff. And then, and then I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll give her a call. I said, hey, I'm still alive. Oh, she's so happy now. Okay, good. Now I can do what I need to. So we teach couples how to make specific requests of that. And it really eliminates a lot of upsets from the relationship when you understand why is your partner behaving in these peculiar ways? So that's another thing. And then 
how to deal with anger and upset that happens when something happens that upsets you. We have a whole program of before it becomes a big upset, you take it on really, really early. So instead of becoming a snowball falling down the mountain, it could become a big avalanche. So we, we don't wait for it to be an avalanche for the upset. We take it on really early so that it just is a little snowball. Well, those are the kinds of things we teach. So I love all those skills. Just to repeat, I heard making requests, listening, understanding our own issues from childhood, and also dealing with anger and upset in a non-judgmental way. And I loved your example, and I wouldn't mind going a little bit deeper into it because I am curious about the best way to support your partner in their growth while also modifying your own behavior to work with the imperfections that we all have. So what I mean is, it's interesting that you identified that oh, you know, losing a parent at a young age can create a fear of abandonment. So it'd be easy, I feel like, to be like, okay, my request is that you work on your fear of abandonment. <laughs> because clearly it's not, you know, my fault that you That's have right. this, this thing, right? So, you know, what do we, how do we, you know, play with that? So my job when I'm, when I get frightened or insecure is to express myself in a calm way and make a request for a behavior. And not to assume that Michael is is leaving or dying or some tragedy is happening and go crazy. That's my job to be calm and to be and to make a request that's doable. Since uh, and it's it's Michael's. You know, when I make a request, then it becomes a conversation. It could be even be a negotiation about what would work for me as well as what would work for Michael. So back in the day when I um, when we had this conversation, there were no cell phones. And so making a phone call when the when the plane landed was a big deal. He had to get his baggage off the plane, get himself off the plane, and then go find a, a pay phone booth. That was a real pain. Yet he was willing to do that. And it was very, very much appreciated on my side. And my gratitude to Michael, I don't take it for granted. I make a big deal when he does things like that because it, it speaks to the depths of my, my uh, life experience. So I have to appreciate what he's doing for me. And we actually do this for each other. There are certain things that are, are very um, sensitive in each of our histories, more than one thing. And we've learned how to take care of each other over time. And, it, and it's such a, a contribution to self-development, to understand yourself and why you react the way you do so that you don't have to be overly activated and crazy when those sensitive things come up. You can express, express it really calmly and rationally. That, that's a huge step forward in, in maturity. And um, to work that out and have life be smooth is just such a blessing for our hearts and our, our health. I love your emphasis on that final step of gratitude. I've also seen in nonviolent communication, for example, they say, observe, identify your feelings, your needs, make that request. But that final fifth step is like so important. That final, oh, you did the thing that I asked? Like, thank you so much. It is an important step. It's, it's, it's returning the energy. When you do something that's kind for anybody and you get a thank you, it's, it's like a gift back. It's lovely. And it, it's, it completes the energy of the interaction. I love that. So I wouldn't mind getting a little bit into your book, Ageless Love, which is actually split up into three sections, mind, body, and spirit. And the unification of these three factors you call ageless love. So tell our listeners a little bit more about how this tri-factor model came to be. So 
my expertise is in the body in terms of uh, being an anti-aging rejuvenative medicine doctor for the last, uh, what, 20 years or so. And, and so that's the body section. The, the, the uh, spirit section, I've been teaching meditation for 40 plus years. Oh, wow. As part of the integration of how to be centered and, and recreate your physiology to be calm and relaxed to promote longevity and health. So I talk about meditation and there's a, uh, a link to the um, online meditations that are available. And um, the first section, the mind, is Dr. Barbara's expertise of what makes the, um, the mind such an important factor in um, ageless love. In the first section, uh, we talk about a lot of the things that we've already said here, but we also focus on uh, fairy tales where, where we talk about the, uh, the real story of fairy tales of uh, Cinderella. And um, we also talk about um, Psyche and, and Eros. So these fairy tales talk about the big picture of romance. So we go underneath the Disney version. We discard the Disney version because they've corrupted the fairy tales. And we go, we go back to the original version of the fairy tales, and which, which incorporates a lot of wisdom about men and women and how relationships work. And those stories have to do with, you know, men and women being equal, equal personalities of depth, but different, and how they grow through life. So they, their stories actually mirror the developmental patterns we're talking about. The ancients knew all about this. We're not discovering anything new. We also liken the development of a couple. We liken it to um, what we're coming to understand about quantum physics, how electrons uh, on a um, ele- electrons are paired. And um, am I doing, saying it right? It's two atoms. There are two atoms for every electron. They're paired. So in the in the outer orbital of every every atom, the 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 atom desires to have two electrons in their outer orbital. There's only one it wants the second one to pair with. So every molecule is created by the desire of the atom. So we have an oxygen molecule, which two oxygen atoms sharing an outer electron in their outer orbital, and that's what makes up our atmosphere. If you have water, H2O, the oxygen shares an electron with each of the hydrogen atoms. So what's the meaning of this? It means the whole universe is based on and created from pairs of of electrons, that the universe likes these pairings. And that in addition to that formulation, there are times when one of the electrons travels and leaves their orbit for a period of time and, and attains and obtains new energy. And they they generally speaking meet up again and repair where they both have incorporated more energy. So it shows the developmental patterns that pairs need to have the same energy level. And sometimes they develop and they separate for a while, but they come together because nature likes pairs and nature likes development. And uh, so what humans do with their pair bonding and the, the, um, the challenge of, of growing at a different rate than your partner is mirrored in these, these electron pairs. I love that. The universe loves pairings. <laughs> On an atomic level. Isn't that amazing? Yes. <laughs> So you mentioned the body, the importance of staying young. You mentioned the mind and how meditation can help. And then what's the connection to spirit and what does spirit mean to you? So the quality of spirit relates to the fact that everything in the physical universe comes out of the realm of 
unboundedness out of the realm of infinite unbounded energy. The amount of energy that is found in the physical universe, less than 1% is from the atoms, stars, galaxies. 99% or so is unknown energy. We don't know where it comes from. It's just there. So that is the realm of spirit. The realm of spirit is, is so far beyond the physical. The physical is just a little piece of the energy that exists. And, and when you, in order to experience energy inside yourself, we need to be meditating and calm down the mind and move into this realm of energy that is beyond the physical. And when you experience that, you just feel filled like, wow, I feel rested. I feel happy. I feel creative. That's what happens when you meditate. You're contacting this realm of unbounded energy that exists within everything. The amount of energy that's inside the outer space where nothing is, where it's a vacuum, that energy is so infinite. It's like blowing the scientists' minds. They don't understand how it works. But that's science saying that you need to meditate to contact that area. I love it. So we're running a bit low in time, particularly for Dr. Barbara over here. I know she has to leave a little early. So I'm going to continue my conversation with Dr. Michael. But I still have to ask Barbara my last question that I ask all of my guests, which is, what do you wish everyone knew about love? Well, I'd like everyone to know that love changes, the relationship changes, and you want to, you want to be mentored and grow because all you know is the stage you're at. You don't know what's beyond it. And we all need, we all need support and assistance and, and skills to move through the inevitable changes in life so that you can enjoy the, the succeeding chapters that come and, enjoy, and reorganize and, and develop your relationship at different layers and, and really you know, cash in on the growth over a lifetime. Not only is it great for your health and your emotional development and your cognitive development, but it's, it's so important for our children to have parents who love each other and solve problems and grow together and show them how to do it. Uh, our children need two parents who create a home and stabilize their home and allow them to grow up in that kind of, in that kind of setting. You know, I want couples to do this for themselves, but everybody benefits. I love it. Love changes, relationship changes, and we want this, right? Because that means we're learning and growing. And real quick, I want to mind a quick follow-up question because I do feel like a lot of people, they go to divorce court and they say, you're not the person I married. And it's like, of course they're not because we change. But how do we make sure we grow together and increase our connection and not grow apart? Well, you know what? When things stop working, it's miserable. It's a trapped feeling and you don't know what you don't know. And um, I can tell you from my experience, I went to mentors. I found people who, who really were wise and understood and they helped me and Michael individually and together grow through these things. You want to look for people who are living a quality of life that you admire, that you um, would like for yourself and, and be open to coaching and learn what you need to learn. There's nothing worse than feeling trapped and unhappy. And it's so easy to get to a place where you assume it's your partner's fault or, or the relationship's fault. And that's the wrong interpretation. I mean, there, there are exceptions. You cannot grow through these stages and be an addict. You have to be willing to talk and tell the truth. 
You have to be willing to be accountable. But that simply amounts to being an adult. Marriage is for adults, not children. (laughs) So you you have to be willing to uh, own up to the learning and growth you need to take responsibility for and make it great. I love that. Marriage is for adults. (laughs) Wonderful. I've loved being with you. I've got to, I've got to take off, but thank yes, you. Yes, yes, thank you. To to your audience. Thank you so much. All right, Michael, Dr. Michael. Yes. So in a bit, I'm going to ask you the same question, but I wouldn't mind just getting a little bit more into the doctor's perspective on love because earlier you mentioned how any emotion is going to create physiological changes in our body that's going to have an effect on our health. And just now you talked about an unbounded energy that exists within everything. So my question is basically, what is love to you? Is it just a neurochemical reaction of dopamine and serotonin? Or is there something more? What is this thing we call love? So love, there are different qualities of love. So we talked about that you have love of a child or a parent, sister, brother, friend. And it takes an open heart to love someone else where you actually appreciate them for who they are. And your, your concern is, is what is good for them? What will help them? What is, what, what is what you can do that will be supportive of them? That is love. And when you're talking about romantic love, it's the same kind of thing, but it's more intense, much more intense. And, and the, the quality of romantic love is it overwhelms every other quality of love because it's the, it has this overwhelming intensity to it. There are many things that make romantic love more difficult because you change and they change, and, and the relationship needs to continue to have that intensity. With children, you know, they get to be 18, 22, they're off on their own, you still love them, but you're not with them every day. They're, they're, they're off in school, they have their own work, they get their own marriages. You love them, but you, it's not that overwhelming intensity that remains there. With your, with your romantic relationship, it continues to be there intense. It never loses intensity. If it does lose intensity, the relationship will be, will be going away. So that quality of love is much more intense. And when you feel love for another person, it changes your physiology when you feel hate, when you feel anger, when you feel resentment, when you, all these negative emotions, whether it's for your relationship of romance or other relationships, it's going to make your physiology imbalanced and make you ill in the long run. And that illness could manifest in all kinds of ways, but it will manifest. So, so when you feel love, you feel a quality of being centered your brain waves, your hormones, your, your digestion, your immune system, everything gets balanced. When you're upset, it all goes to imbalance. And, and, and certain people get one or more of those things imbalanced, but it's a, it's a big problem. So that's, that's the big picture of love. And it's not just a psychological thing, although that's a piece of it, but it's physiologically very, very, very important for your overall health and wellness. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. When you mentioned that 
Love is being concerned about what is good for somebody, what can help them. That to me is what love is on its most basic level is simply a genuine concern for a person's well-being, wanting them to be happy and joyful, which we can express for our children, our parents, our siblings, our family, even strangers. And the one romantic relationship we have is a very intense version of that. So... Thank you so much, Dr. Michael Grossman, for coming on to the show. And I'll finish with the question I asked your wife already. What do you wish everyone knew about love? Well, the one thing I would add to what we've said is that if you want love to continue over a lifetime, romantic love, you need to have passion, you need to have desire, you need to have energy, you need to have enthusiasm. And that is something that I work with on a physical level. You need bioidentical hormone replacement. You need growth hormone releasing factors. You need other peptides. You need to balance out your physiology in so many different ways. And we can create people feeling 10, 20 years younger easily. So when women go through menopause, they lose their balance and they lose desire and lose their brain. They don't sleep good. They're irritable. They're angry. They lose libido. And it happens very quickly for women. For men, it happens slowly over a period of five or 10 years. It's not quick like women, but it happens. And when men and women lose that youthfulness, romantic love kind of just fades away. And it's like, you know, might be okay that you're living together, but there's no more passion there. So, so that's something that we can be aware that we can change. And, and bioidentical hormone, natural hormone replacement is very different than synthetics. And you live longer and healthier than if you do nothing. And that's something that is not supported by the drug companies. They don't make a lot of money on that. So they're not so enthusiastic about it. And um, it's there. It's something that I do all the time. You know, and my wife and I ballroom dance. We write books. We run classes. And we also work full time. We're having more fun than ever. She's She's 71. You can be fulfilled in your life as you get older. And, and then you just feel, you know, love. Uh, you, you, you have the wisdom to make your relationship work, and now you have the energy. So that's what I leave the audience with, that possibility. Wonderful. I love it. Dr. Michael and Dr. Barbara Grossman, authors of Ageless Love and The Marriage Map. And for our listeners who want to learn more about you, work with you, how can they find you? Uh, they could uh, take a quiz called the agelesslovequiz.com. And they can take a quiz to see what are the, the, uh, the issues in their life they need to be thinking about and or working on. They can go to fallinginloveforever.com, which is a general website where they can see our different classes and courses and books. And that would be a good place to go, agelesslove.com, agelesslovequiz.com and fallinginloveforever.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about ageless love, loving forever. That to me is my goal in life is to keep learning, keep growing, stay loving until the end of my life. And I really appreciate you coming on. And thank you listeners for listening to the show. We hope you remember many of the valuable lessons we learned today, including the important skills of making requests, listening without interrupting and understanding how our issues from childhood shape our personality 
know that love changes over time, relationships change over time. So it's important to keep communicating, keep learning, keep growing. Love is a genuine concern for a person's well-being, thinking about how you can support them and love them and help them. And it's possible to keep one's passion, desire, energy, and enthusiasm up for one's entire life. If you want to learn more about me, you can head to zachbeach.com and learn more about the show at theheartcenter.com. Thanks again, Dr. Michael Grossman. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to zachbeach.com or theheartcenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 